it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes, right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Matt Coyle. Uh, he is the best-selling author of the Rick Cahill PI series, Odyssey's End, is the 10th book in that series and is currently available everywhere from Ocean View Publishing right now. Welcome back to the show, pal. I thanks for having me. Of course. So we've talked about your previous work, but today we're here to talk about Odyssey's End. So why don't you let everybody know what they can expect in this 10th book in the series? Yeah, this is much better than my previous work. So um, <laughs> they, won't, they won't be disappointed. All? Uh, this is the, yeah, the 10th book in the Rick Cahill series, and he's got this disease, uh, CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which I introduced in book eight, Last Redemption. So it's not a spoiler that he's got this disease. The, um, it's a real disease known as pro football disease, brain trauma, where basically shortens your life, uh, at some point. Generally, you have diminished cognitive abilities, dementia sets in, it's not a pretty ending. Um, so I've kind of dealt with the, the last book, Doom Legacy, I dealt with this asymptom that can happen. Not everybody gets it, but this asymptom can be this irrational, violent rage and come from the, the, the least provocation, slightest provocation. Mm -hmm. So I, and I, so I dealt with that. In this book, I didn't, you know, I, he's, it's good. Once I gave it to him, I could not. You, know, you can't this is a life sentence you can't like well you know he got shot in the shoulder now he's fine um right <laughs> and he lives yeah. away right so i have to acknowledge it but i don't want it to be the major uh i don't want it to i didn't want to go too much into um symptoms this time but what so what i did was i thought well this is he's he's staring his own mortality in in the eyes and so he's dealing with that he's got a his wife and daughter are um separated from him he does get to see his daughter couple times a month um but his wife has taken her up to santa barbara rick lives in san diego because of first of all because he still takes cases as a private investigator where he potentially can get hurt and he um this rage thing that's um has was pretty prevalent in the last book uh so they're they're separated and things aren't going well in the terms of getting back together he desperately wants to get back together with his wife and his child his, this child he thought he'd never be able to have miracle baby um but he realizes that may not happen he may not be able to reconcile his wife um not because of him but because of her so but he one thing he says well, I, i'm you know, my time's running out the, the, the hourglass is clicking a lot faster for me than most people so he wants to at least get a, a safety net starting to build for his daughter when life knocks her down because he knows better than anybody life will knock you down and he won't be around to help her up so he's thinking right. financially how, how can i help her financially and as the book opens um he's lucky and unlucky than that the answer to that um goal knocks on his door in the uh in the body of someone he has had situation i mean you learn the first couple pages but it's our first page actually it might be the first line but i said i won't say the person's name anyway somebody that he had somebody tried to kill him once somebody saved his life someone who is not a good person and he thought was 
had gone away completely. And someone he can't trust, but also someone who can, who offers him $50,000 to find somebody from both their past, a missing right. person, um, a missing person, or maybe somebody just the one that doesn't want to be found. So there it is. There's the pot of gold, but I can't trust this guy, but I can't say no either. So he gets involved uh, with this um, very scary character um, and finds out there's another scarier character that could come back into his life at any moment. And he gets a little tied up in some cryptocurrency machinations or machinations. I never know which way to pronounce that. Um, I think it depends on who the interviewer is. For me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, good. We'll go with both. So and with uh, both, FBI, FBI gets involved in his life. And um, the one thing I wanted to do for this book, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm not a great outliner, and I'm not. Um, I don't always know where I want to go. I mean, I, I know where the endings are always, but what I want to do is I want to have Rick completely isolated up in the mountains. And I, I was able to do that. I was able to do that in her. I found a real place kind of by accident. And um, where he couldn't have cell service to um, to save him, you know, get, call for help um, when he's completely isolated with some very bad people trying to get at him. Yeah. Well, so I mean, it. it's it, it's funny how we always try to find new ways of putting our beloved main characters, our protagonists, into some pretty rough situations, isn't it? But it keeps it interesting for us as the writer and also i think it, it keeps it interesting for the readers as well yeah i mean if you looked at rick's life from thirty thousand feet you'd go oh, no i can't my i've i can no longer suspend my disbelief but what i try to do is because he's been shot multiple times he's been stabbed he's been almost gutted he's had his throat slit you know minor got shot mm -hmm. in the face you know what happens <laughs> um but i try to take a, a week or two out of his life with his um his shortcomings, decisions he makes, his goals, and put him in a situation where he'll be in danger. And I try to make, this is what he would do here, and this is what could happen. And if you put them all together, it'd be a little too much for one person. But in this circumstance, this is what will happen. So, so far, it's worked out okay. Right. Yeah, it definitely has. And I think that uh, you've obviously understand the parallels between this character's plight and also what happened in other books from other writers like the Wallander character, which where we gradually see a decline in him towards the end of that series. Um, you know, is that what you were trying to go for? You wanted to show his fallibility and you wanted to show his humanity by having something he couldn't control? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. When I first started writing, uh, Rick, 20 plus years ago, because it took me 10 years to get published. Um, this is the 10th book. I've had a book almost every year. I missed a couple, or oh, one and a half. Um, so I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to, I wanted to write a book. Um, that's what I was supposed to do. I was, in, I've got some, there's some literary people in my family and, uh, extended way back family. Right. And that's what I want to do all my life. I wanted to, I want to write. And so when I finally started doing it somewhere along the line of the many drafts of the, first book um i realized no i'm writing a series um you know it may never get published but i'm writing a series but i did not i did not have a set out character arc and did i never imagined that i would have this character who's big you know in, in terms of where i am a mid-lister it's a fairly successful series 
Um, I didn't ever plan on, oh, let's give him a disease. It'll probably kill him. Um, mm -hmm. Make him, you know, he'll be losing his cognitive abilities as he goes. Um, and he'll potentially hurt the people he loves most. So I didn't, I, but I had a rule that was every bad decision he made and every physical trauma he suffered had to have repercussions. He couldn't, like right. I mentioned earlier, he can't get shot in the shoulder in the first chapter. And then he's pitching batting practice for the Padres in the fourth chapter. <laughs> right. Although for the Padres, he may be, maybe for the Padres, he could do that. Yeah. I know um, exactly but, this year, especially. Yeah. But no real baseball team um, for my San Diego fans. Um, so I, I feel, I realized, well, shit, you know, this guy, he was a, he boxed golden gloves as a teenager. He played football from Pop Warner, two years of college. He's had multiple concussions. He's had, you know, he's been, had brain, I mean, he's had probably brain trauma without concussion. So it kind of makes sense. This is where he's going to, this was going to have, I'm going to stick to this rule, kind of have to go this way. It, it makes for, it makes for challenging writing, which is good. That's what we want to do as writers. And we want to right. have the readers believe this is where we can go. Um, but you know, he's 43 now and the average lifespan for someone with CTE is 53 years old. Um, oh, okay. I did not but, know that. Yeah. Something I learned. Um, it's a really, they can't, you can't even really diagnose somebody until they're dead. Then you look at their brain, but you can pre-diagnose them and every football player they've ever looked at has just died that they've searched for and they looked at his brain has had it. Everybody, whatever position. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that probably have this disease walking around that you know don't know it, didn't play football, what have you. I have a friend who's um former CHP who has it pre-diagnosed. Wow. Yeah, I just found out um when after I wrote Doom Legacy, I was at a, I was at an event and I hadn't seen him in a while. And he comes and he tells me, um, it's just the two of us. Um, he seems like he's doing well though, but still, yeah, shit. Well, thank God. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's those kinds of things that, that just happen. And, and in terms of your book, it, it seems that you you use things that happen in the novels beforehand. And then this is a not the most logical conclusion, but it's certainly one that's well founded in the body of work. You didn't just drop this on somebody. You no. actually planned for this and it's a culmination of everything that's happened to them in the in the earlier series, which is almost like a reward for people who have stuck with you from the first book all the way through till now. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know he was going to get have it until I wrote the eighth book. Yeah, and um, you know I certainly didn't have to give them CTE, even though even though I could sort of stick to my um, that rule, but um, it made for a kind of very good ending of the book. And um, then I said, well, once I dove in, I had to go there. But um, that's good. It's, like I said, it's challenged me, but that's good. That's fine. Um, yeah, that's what you want, because I think the challenge makes for a much better book in the end. And it's much more rewarding for both the writer and the reader. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. Um, you said that, it's funny. You said that you start off the book with uh, the character being in a remote area without cell phone service. And a book I just published, a completely different genre, I have my own characters start be, by being hunted in the Montana wilderness and uh, the mountains. And it's, nice. I, yeah, I wonder if there's, do you think there's something like that we all pick up by living in the modern world that drives us to push the characters in a certain direction, like put them in those kinds of predicaments 
because it was, uh, you know, it, for me, it was a dark point in my life when I was writing that book and I wanted him to go through some of what I was going through and it was kind of a way of relating it on the page. So that kind of solitude, it was just, I know for me it counted. What about how you uh, wrote your novel? Wow, it's really interesting, wow. Um, yeah, I was going through a dark period actually, a really dark period. Um, I've had, there's been some family tragedies we've, we've, I've had in my life, but this was not one of them. This is a personal thing. Yeah, it has a pretty yeah. dark period, but I really think that Maybe it's a premonition because um, things were okay when I, I had this idea. But yeah, I think in, in the modern, well, first of all, once um, things kind of hit the shitter for me, I kind of, I when I was able to write, I really dove in. So for sure, the isolation and, and the violence is the most, <laughs> it takes a while to get there, but it's the most violent book I've written. Um, mm -hmm. My books aren't terribly violent, but um, I wanted to have the kind of classic, um, shootout and i certainly have it in this book but uh you know it's it's not that easy to find a place where certainly in the wyoming wilderness but in wilderness areas but you know so there's it's to go you have to go pretty far off the beaten track to not have cell service or, or wi-fi or something like that obviously if you're, stage, yeah. if you're in the mountains or something but even i know when i hike in lake tahoe that generally i'll have some cell service at the top of some seven thousand foot um, mountain and you probably can get cell service there but i ironically found some weird spot um by happenstance but yeah it's, so um yeah getting away from modern um conveniences and and i mean you know you can make a phone call for help and doesn't mean it's going to come but i didn't i just wanted to really shut down like actually you know, he's, he's, he's got this disease, he's staring his mortality in the face, and then he's in a situation where no one can come for him, and he's outgunned, and he is definitely staring his own mortality in his face. And all he yeah. wants to do, all he wants to do is, is um, live long enough to see his daughter again. And be able to provide for his, his daughter and his family once he's eventually gone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, because somebody at a panel uh, asked me that question because they read the third book of my series of one of my series of Western, and she said that was incredibly dark. It starts off with him not be the the protagonist not being right, and she asked, "Is is was that a reflection of what you were going through at the time?" I said, "Yeah, it was a very black period for me, and I was starting to come out of it when I started writing the the fourth book in the series." But still, I mean, it's it's amazing how. But when we when you don't outline bits and pieces of us wind up in our uh, fiction a little more naturally than maybe if you planned it out like you were saying earlier a five right. book series and here's what's going to happen in each of those ten. Yeah, I, that's yeah, that's a really good point. That you sound like you write similar to I do, which is not which is very hopefully not as inefficient as I do. But yeah, I'm I'm open to all possibilities, and I do think that every writer, um, every fiction writer is trying to work something out in their work, whether you know it or not. I really think that comes through. And for, ironically, for, I'm um, divorced. Um, I'm in a fantastic relationship right now, but I don't have any kids. I'm old, as you can see. Right. Just life didn't work out, didn't hit the, the timing wasn't right um, for me to have kids. And um, so I, didn't expect Rick to ever have a child, but um, circumstances in his life made it so he did. 
Yeah. Um, but so I realized in my last three books, I'm not a thematic writer. I don't think of big, um, I don't think I think of big questions and things like that. But I realized that the last three books have really been about family. This is a theme. And this one is more upfront than than other ones. So and that's clearly something that um, I think I'm trying to work out in my own life. I'm going to be 65 and in less than a month, a couple of weeks. Oh, God bless you. Um, Happy birthday a week early. <laughs> thanks. And so I'm looking, you know, I'm I, I for years I've been thinking about that situation. And when I'm writing a book, it's not something that's foremost in my mind. But like I said, I realized that, wow, this is something you're working out. And then for Rick to actually have a family, and, but have but not being able to hold on to it, it's probably um, all psychologically effed up up in there. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. And it's it's amazing how we all put a little bit of our, ourselves in the books and how, and I think that's why, especially in a series, what keeps the series going is that kind of organic element uh, of the personality of the writer seeping into the, uh, to the work. And, you know, it, it, a couple of days ago, there was a big thing on Twitter about somebody said that it, you shouldn't put too many curse words in your, your novels. And then a bunch of people says, oh, I'm going to write more and more curse words in my books now. And, you know, if the, I've always felt that if the plot, if that particular story calls for it, okay, fine, add it in. But if right. you start just dropping the F-bomb in there, like some people do, or like some of these uh, TV series that, we, that I see on streaming, it, A, some of the writers don't know how to curse. And B, if you just keep having the F-word in every other sentence, it loses its luster and it yeah. just becomes noise and i think people when it's when it's spoken it's one thing but when it's written it hits a hell of a lot harder than people i think that's a good think. point yeah actually uh, i i curse way too much in my real life but i don't on the page very much however if there are writers that don't know how to curse i'll happily give a class at, on it um <laughs> you know from nominal nominal fee um, <laughs> yeah the but no it's funny you should well, you should say that because, yeah, I don't really, uh, there's not a whole lot of F-bomb. Now, when someone posted that, I would definitely chime in, um, like, what the fuck? But, yeah. uh, but no, I don't, I try, some people, <laughs> it's funny, you know, when your, when your books are suddenly on sale on Kindle or something for like $1.99 or something, you, or, or I've had been fortunate enough to have some book pubs. Where yes, the, the book is very inexpensive. And so you bring in people that don't necessarily read your genre, but hey, I'll try it for 99 cents. And that's when your good reads, you, you get a lot of reviews, but your average goes down because uh, there was one, um, and I read my reviews, even on Goodreads. Um, some woman, it was, you know, I write hard boiled fiction. And there was one woman said, you know, there was sex and violence. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, good critique. <laughs> And there was, but the thing was, there were like 28 people that liked that. Like, yeah, like, like, like. Um, so you can't please everybody all the time. You have to, like you said, you have to, you know, I don't like to put gratuita. I don't actually, actually ever have, um, I mean, there's there's occasional um, um, sex scenes, lovemaking scenes, but I don't get explicit at all. There's probably been four or five in 10 books. Um, right. It's not explicit, but it's it's to move the story forward. It it has to be about it, the intrinsic, you know, intrinsically true to the story. 
And I think everything you put in the book has to be that. You know, we all kill our darlings. We have, oh man, that was such a great passage, but it doesn't really advance the story at all. Or it doesn't have to advance the plot, but it has to at least advance, advance character. So, you know, we, we all have little um, files of dead darlings. Um, so yeah, it all has to be true to what you're writing and uh, but to gratuitously throw in, to try to rough it up, to throw in a bunch of F-bombs or something. Rick is actually a lot cleaner than I am when it comes to language because it, it doesn't really advance the story. I mean, I, I wish that I didn't curse as much as I do because it doesn't advance my story either. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. I've got a mouth <laughs> like a sailor, but it does. It's uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you, it does turn people off when they, when they read it sometimes, but it also depends on the genre too. Like people will expect it more in, in a hard boiled novel, which I've written than my Westerns, because the Westerns people have a, a certain idea of what they should be. And I think it was a happy medium somewhere between Deadwood and, you know, the, the way they acted in Gunsmoke, because they weren't that lily white. But I don't think they cursed as much as they did in Deadwood. But it worked for Deadwood because it was that kind of a show. And I think it's uh. it's not a good idea if you translate that uh, idea from that medium onto something like a book or something like a, a another screenplay, something like that. Yeah, I'm just trying to put together uh, where the where Trixie and Miss Kitty connect somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Deadwood. Trixie is probably the real life, real life right. uh, Miss, Miss Kitty. Deadwood is one of my unquestionably top five TV shows. Absolutely love that series. David Milch, freaking genius. Um, yep. And how he took like it's when you start watching it's about um wild bill you know that's mm -hmm. what he thought and, and david carradine was the only actor except i i knew um the guy who plays swearing i'm blanking on his name but i've seen you know i've oh, seen him for I'll, years I'll, ian mcshane yeah but you know it was it was carradine that was the, the star and he's gone after about three or four episodes or maybe five and then the right. guy i'll swear he goes he's a bad guy he's a bad guy and then god he's your hero I mean, right. I love that guy. So that was just brilliantly done. And um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm off on a tangent, but glad you mentioned it. But yeah, I completely agree with your um, your thesis on that. Um, well, plus you, you know, there's well HBO, not streaming, but HBO and and network. But I don't know anybody watches network anymore. Yeah, no, and they only watch the shows usually when they're on streaming. If it is an N NCIS or Law yeah. and Order, I think that's what's keeping that tentpole up. But um, anyway, so we're at Odyssey's end right now. I'm wondering what is next for you? Can you tell us? Can you let us know what else is going to be coming for you creatively in the future? Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm actually writing something very different right now. Still in crime, of course, but it's not a Rick Cahill book. It's um, writing in third person, which I haven't done since college, which was a long time ago. Uh, right. So it's... it's um, there's a little rickishness in it, but it's a, a former cop who um, is now a private investigator. He was like Rick, and he was um, his lieutenant, his best friend. Basically, the backstory is the guy lied in court because of he's kind of he's a true believer. Um, and because of what's happened to what happened to his daughter who died of a drug overdose, he is, you know, he's very, uh, and, and there was also potentially um, um, sex trafficking involved in her life. So he's, you know, he's like, 
I don't care. I'll lie. If, if I'm 100%, the person's guilty, I'll lie. So he lies on the, he lies on the stand. Only his boss knows it. He says, I can't. I can't let that stand. You got you to gotta quit or I'm going to take this where it needs to go. Right. So he's, he's, his father, who was also caught before him, is very ill and he needs um, financial help, even with all insurance and Medicare and all that, because he's 24-hour care. And so this guy's not making it as a PI. And there's an opportunity to fill in for a certain unknown amount of time as an investigator for a public defender's office. Right. And so he crosses the line. He doesn't want to. He's the trying to get off people he used to put behind bars and he's he's partnered with a true believer on the other side and she's a woman there'll be there's be some sexual tension there'll probably be a relationship um but in the meantime he'll be involved in a case where he's he doesn't wait a second this doesn't seem right to me um so that's kind of the I mean, I've got, I haven't got my arms all the way around it I'm way behind I thought I would be done by now I will not have a book coming out next year. I got to write okay. it. My agent has to sell it. Um, but um, I'm excited about the the, the project. Just um, kind of get a little further along in it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and it'll take shape because since you don't outline in advance, it does take a lot of uh, time to. It takes a little bit more time for the story to gel in our own minds. But when it does, yeah. it's uh, it's usually a hell of a lot more rewarding. I think. Yeah. Well, that's great, pal. And what's the best way that people can follow you for everything that's going on in your career, social media, website, places like that? Uh, MattColabooks.com is my website. I'm on um, um, Facebook, Matt Coyle, I think. Um, um, the rest, I just kind of forward. I'm on Instagram a little bit, mcoyle044, I think. Maybe the same one for um, Instagram or for um, X or whatever it's called, which oh, God, I can... Yeah. I can re-X or retweet. Um, and occasionally, I post on Instagram, but basically, I'm on um, Facebook. Facebook and, quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> especially now <laughs> when you're, especially now when you're pimping your own work, you gotta, you know. This exactly. is where. Gotta... Yeah, this is where you kind of are pushing it a little too much, but then the rest of the year you try to make up for it. Exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of like the Borscht Belt circuit for the uh, the modern writer. <laughs> without yeah, the that's my i'm of a certain age where i can start doing that yeah i know right yeah <laughs> yeah we can tell jokes and have the rubber chicken up there and the, the hook <laughs> and everything else so anyway well pal thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it and i hope you'll come back for a third time when you've got your new book out on the market i would love to thanks for having me of course pal and thank you everybody for joining us for another edition of spies lies of private eyes right here on the authors on the air global radio network We'll see you next time, everyone. Take care. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terrence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.